Welcome to Align Your Practice, an exploration of the seamless relationship between the business of chiropractic and the future of natural health care. Join us as we engage with an array of talent, from seasoned experts to passionate new entrepreneurs. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Esposito. Hi, welcome to the Align Your Practice podcast. This is Dr. Joe Esposito. I'm excited to have a, a good guest on today, Eric Ron. How are you, Eric? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, I've been excited to have you on because I wanted to have some more kind of mature business conversations. I know you're being framed out as the business guy over the last couple of months. So here's the chance here for you to shine in all that brilliance. <laughs> what I want to do is maybe break down a little bit about the people that are coming out of school now with a little bit more mature of a business mindset. And they're talking right off the bat. I want to open three clinics. I want to open five clinics. And in the past, we kind of shied away from, well, they got to learn leadership. They, they, got to, they got to hit these markers, which is all true. But I think now setting the framework out for doctors that are entrepreneurial spirited to understand actually the architecture necessary to make their dream come true, instead of saying, well, we'll wait down the road three to five years. Because there are doctors, when we architect it correctly, I think they can, uh, they can hit their, their goals in a uh, more projected period of time that is uh, realistic for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, let, let's talk a little about, you know, not only that, but not the, the value of chiropractic in the marketplace has been skyrocketed over the last five years. Whether we look at what's happening on Wall Street, what's happening on private equity, so you start seeing the, the market maturing. So not only is it more mature of the doctors coming out with a business mindset, but the market, the industry is being more mature on a value perspective. Have you, have you felt that as well, when, you know, looking at the uh, industry? Yeah, for sure. I think as we look kind of historically, I came out of the, the medical field background, you know, I was in a, a large medical system there for the last seven or eight years prior to coming to a line life. And the medical field over the prior probably 15 years or so, you started to see a consolidation in the independent practices trying to find uh, ways to, to do this in a different way. And they realized they started to, they needed the economies of scale. And so they started to kind of drop into the systems and, and find more economies of scale within that realm. You saw the dental world sort of going into a similar situation. Now we're seeing that stage of chiropractic is falling into that same sort of bucket where they're they're realizing that there's uh, there's money to be made for one, and there's a there's an opportunity now to to start finding those economies of scales. You know, the the day of mom and pop shop doing one chiropractic clinic, you know, they're still there right now, but I think they're starting to feel the strains of what it's like to exist as a solo practice. And they're looking for other opportunities to grow and expand. And, do, you know, we, we offer a lot to do that with, with those guys. So uh, a couple of points in regards to that, I agree with you that the uh, chiropractic is mostly solo, but it's moving very fast based on what you're saying, the cost of digital marketing, the volatility of the, the marketing landscape compared to 20, 30 years ago, and the cost of acquisition of those tools and the outcome of that, reads uh, <clears throat> coming out of those channels, is volatile and costly. So it's requiring a higher end team 
either in-house or outsourced, which is expensive. In-house, you're going to need an enterprise group of clinics to be able to have uh, the ability to gain market share. So I think that's some of the components that's creating the, the utilization of a enterprise model. On top of that, the valuations of chiropractic. You couldn't value a clinic over one time your profit. So if you make 200,000 a year, that the value of that clinic would be 200,000. In the enterprise model, we're looking at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times one year's profit, which changes the, uh, matures the market and allows this uh, unification of clinics. So in the limelight, what we see people that we are able to help, it's either new students who need business guidance it's a struggling doctor that doesn't have the business or marketing expertise that, that want to join uh, the Align Life movement. And the third is enterprise level mindset or, or organization where they are looking at, you know, I'm working 60 hours a week, making a lot of money, but I want to reproduce myself. I want four, yeah. that kind of model. So I, what I wanted to do today with you, Eric, is like talk a little bit about the finance structure, what you've become aware of, and you could speak to this is some of the doctors you've spoken to are brilliant, great clinicians, drive a lot of revenue, but really don't have as much a sense for the financial foundation of their practice, the forecasting the future. They're just amazing clinicians with great minds, a lot of passion and able to drive revenue, which is different than a business person. And my fear is, as we grow a lot of top line revenue to think you can run an enterprise business, meaning multiple clinics without budgeting, without forecasting, just because you got great hands and a passionate voice, that's not going to hold up on the second and third. So what we know over the years is the first thing doctors master is conversion. They learn how to convert patients to accept care. The second thing they learn is how to master their attraction. First, they get a handful in, they get the business going. Then like, I got to get more business. They master traction. Later on down the road, they kind of focus on retention and they start to keep patients. And lastly is when they grow big, they fall down a lot with their team and they end up learning team building. But the, the, the other component is finance thing. So I wanted you to kind of open our eyes and ears to what does this look like from your perspective as a businessman? And if you could join us throughout, I was thinking the next 12 months coming on occasionally and giving us a little nugget throughout the year of things we can think about as entrepreneurs to refine our, sharpen our saw per se on our ability to grow an enterprise business. So I'd yeah. love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and I think kind of what you're touching on when it comes to the, the concept of attraction and conversion and retention and all of that comes through mastering operations you know as you as you master operations you're learning how to really handle the patients that are coming in the door what's happening kind of behind the scenes that most entrepreneurs or i don't I mean to say entrepreneurs so much i think you see a lot with chiropractors or other providers and other medical professions is it's there's a passion because they have a passion for the patients and they have a passion for driving their business sometimes they there's not as much attention being focused on the stuff that a lot of people think is boring, the financial parts, the behind the scenes stuff. That's actually the sort of the cornerstone and the, and the foundation of what's going to really stabilize your practice is the, is the different types of financials. And so in my conversations as I've been here, you know, to your point, 
lots of brilliant practitioners, lots of brilliant, passionate people. Like I've chiropractors are, it's a different breed, you know, from what I'm used to as far as like what they're, what they're passionate about. But, but there's, there, I've noticed some gaps in some of my conversations in regards to a, a, a better understanding. There's a desire, you know, I, I will say there's a desire to understand what's behind the scenes and what does this all mean to me and, and what, what can I do? Like, what can I do differently? And so a lot of it for me is just an awareness. And so just starting at the basics, you know, really just a basic understanding of a, of a profit and loss statement and a, and a balance sheet, you know, your balance sheet is just trying to keep you in check on your uh, assets and liabilities, just understanding what debts you have versus what you actually own. And sometimes uh, there's a, there's a lack of understanding on the asset side of understanding like there's value to this practice that you're doing right now, you know, and, and, and making sure there's a clear understanding of that. And then just on the profit and loss side, understanding the different lines, you know, this is where my, my money's coming in and this is where my money's going out. It's one thing to, to say, I know I've got this much money at the end of the day, but truly understanding the engines behind the profit and loss and understanding what's motivating each of those lines. There's a little bit, there's potential there, you know, there's potential to, to understand that at a deeper level, because once you understand that barometer, now you can start to figure out what are the levers we got to pull? What are the buttons we're going to push so that we can maximize these things? We want to maximize your revenue, all that stuff that's on the, the top line. And we want to figure out what we can do to, to be more efficient with that expense line so that that bottom line becomes a larger number because that bottom line then starts to dictate what your debt ratios are and some of these other like terms that matter when you're going to go open up another another practice you have to start to build that cash and you have to start to build that cash based off of what that net profit is yeah so if if uh your personal practice starts to struggle a little bit you basically turn on your passion you get more convicted and the number just lights to move up when you run an enterprise and there's three practices or five practices and you start losing 3% over here, marketing cost per acquisitions going up a bit, conversions down 3%, cost per acquisitions up 10%, payroll starts to creep up and boom, your margin dropped 11% in four, six months and you didn't see it. So I think for me, my, my uh, growth in scar tissue over the years is uh, when you're running more of an enterprise level, the ability to move that machine takes a little more than just that brute energy and passion that we have as doctors. So it's just realize if you're thinking of opening, uh, becoming an, uh, what I call an enterprise organization, meaning multiple facilities or even multiple doctors, you got to influence people versus turn on your passion. It's a different time frame in order to make that happen so that you have to be more sensitive to your dollars and to the uh, the trends that are going on in the business. And to Eric's point, you can't, in your own practice, you can look at the end of the month and go, huh, I made 8,000 less. You're running five practices. You can't say, huh, I'm 50,000 short on payroll. Like you can't do that. <laughs> you know, it's a different, uh, uh, it's a different sensitivity. So um, what, what's your recommendation, Eric? Like if there's someone listening here inside a line life, I know they're welcome to maybe quarterly buzz you and you give them a little bit of insight, but just for a doctor that may be listening, 
how, how do you get that? I mean, I don't even, uh, I don't know the answer to this, but maybe you do. Is it just some YouTube videos, hire a consultant, talk to your accountant maybe to like start the journey? Because to me, it took me five years of really learning how to use the document. Understanding it is one thing, but making decisions off of it took me many years. What is your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's almost like uh, there's a lot of you know, the dummy books that are out there. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's, there's financials for dummies, you know? And I think sometimes what we do is we overcomplicate it. And, and it's really, when you think about how you run your household, even when you're running your house, you, you've got a top line and you got and you had a bottom line. You know, your top line is just the money that you're making off of your paychecks, all of your expenses, the things that you're paying for to live on a daily basis. And then at the end of the month, whatever you have left is your profit. So it's the same concept as, as running a business. And, and so I think that there is a million resources out there, whether it's YouTube or books or those sorts of things. Uh, reaching out to people, like you know, reaching out to even us, you know, we're we're always willing to to at least have a conversation with people. Just that I think what I love about Align Life is that we do exist for our our docs, and we want our our owners to be successful. But we're constantly providing some of that outside counsel for people that are interested because we have a system here, a system that works. You know, we talk about the mastering operations. If we're going to get to that enterprise level, if you're a, a franchise owner and you want multiple clinics or multiple docs, you have to master your operations, but you also have to master your financials. And then to be truly successful, then you have to master your leadership skills. And, and the leadership skills is really about what you were just saying. Like you have to understand your people. You have to know, because if something is missing in, in, in this center over here and and you're not paying attention to it, that could be falling off the rails. The leadership skills is what's helping you keep your hands around all of the different things that you're going on in the multiple centers, right? And so that's that's so key. And I think that what Align Life as a system is doing is they're helping you master operations. And right now, I feel like we do a great job of that. We, we master operations. I think we are mastering financials. So we, you know, the word that I continue to use internally is that we are maturing. We're maturing the way we think. We're maturing the way we approach things. We're looking at things from a, a slightly different vantage point. I'm coming in with a different, not that my way is the right way or the wrong way. It's a different way. And my way is just getting us to look at things a little bit more holistically, I think, than what we were before. You know, we're, we're not just top line focus, we're bottom line focused. And so we want to, because the bottom line is what's going to help you to grow and expand. Yeah. And I like some of the moves you're making with software to have a better, better accountability to the bottom line on a global scale as an organization, and then drilling down even per clinic, some of the moves that you're testing. And I know you're behind the scenes. I know there's nothing uh, in the front lines yet, but I know where you're going, which is supporting business owners to make sure they take home as many dollars as possible into their pocket. Because I think it was Verna Harnish, or I think it was him who said, profit was sanity and cash flow is king. <laughs> it's vanity, sanity, and king is, uh, is the bottom line is the dollars, right? At the end of the day. So well, let me talk about the software just for a second. I think the, the goal of the software is really because it's a report card. And right now we, the report card that we are using, we have lots of report cards. You know, that's, that's part of the mastering operations is understanding how well are we doing with our attraction and conversion and retention and, you know, what, what is our acquisition cost on the marketing side? So we have all kinds of great 
tools and report cards that we do offer. Now with this software implementation, the idea is to give us the same level of reporting just strictly on the financials. And so it's, you know, and the software is giving us abilities to, to benchmark, benchmark against each other, uh, benchmark against within peer groups um, and, and across the whole, our whole enterprise to be able to say that, you know, you rank X amongst the group and then you rank, you rank X amongst your peer and then dialing it down to that, that deeper level where I see my expense line is this much, but when I break all these down, I see the number, but I don't know what that really means. I don't even know if that is good or bad as compared. It's an expense line I have to have, you know? And so what, how do I know if that's even good or bad? So th this is giving us an ability to say, you know, it's good and bad. And all of these expenses is a very subjective thing, but at least now we can compare it across peers to say, man, my peer is, seems to be doing a much better job. I wonder what's going on over here. If he or she is doing something different, I'm going to dig in a little bit to figure that out. So the idea of this software is that once we get this rolled out completely, is so that franchise owners can actually start to dig down to that deeper level of understanding and then gaining knowledge. We, we all exist to trade knowledge off of one another so that we can be bigger, better, and stronger. And I think that's a missing uh, value uh, missing understanding the value of data, because if you're an organization that pulls together not only uh, branding to affect perception of the of your business, but on the inside, the IP, the intellectual property of the financials, to say in this one city with five clinics, if you're paying thirty percent more in payroll than four other clinics in the same region, it's something to investigate. As as Eric's pointing out, because you know, I always talk about mindset and we live in the stories of what we think is normal. When you look at everyone around you, they have a different normal. It makes you, it gives you the availability to have awareness around it and then challenge it and solve it like you're saying. So that data, I think, is such a value proposition that uh, Oregon single clinic owners just don't have that, in a sense, report card or benchmark that uh, that we can provide. Yeah. So... If uh, if you were given advice, I want to open, I have a successful clinic doing about a million dollars top line revenue, 60 to 80,000 a, a month. I got some good savings. I'm ready to make some moves. Like what advice would you give me? Would you say, stay on that operations, start learning leadership, master your finance, level all of them up a little bit at one time? How do I proceed? I want to open a second one within a year. And I'm, I'm pretty good at my business. I can hold the staff together. But how would you guide me if I had a year to make it happen? Yeah, you know, I, I think that we have so much resourcing internally now, you know, and when it comes to the coaches, you know, the coaches become sort of the primary person to have this conversation with because the coaches are also going to be in tune with what does it take to be successful to get to that next, that next level. That's true. And so, but then, you know, I'm a source and we've got other, you know, we have a financial guy internally that's, that's helping us to, to be more mature on how we think. I, but I think my number one advice is that you got to don't rest. Uh, I think what happens a lot of times is we're growing the current center that we're in. We want another one. We get so focused on this other one that we start to miss fire on the one that we actually have and we can't afford to do that. So we want to build in that cushion that says, 
you know, if it's 60 to 80 grand a month is where I need to be to be comfortable to start thinking about another provider, start thinking about another center, don't stop. Don't stop with this one because you you have to keep that one growing. But it comes back down into you look at what is making you successful and what's going to continue to make you successful. And mastering that operations piece is not just understanding that I've got the skills, I've got the charisma to make it happen, but knowing how to dial into the reasons why behind everything. I need to know why I'm making this revenue. I need to know why I'm missing in this particular category. I have to be able to speak to that. It's going to help take a lot of stress off when you're going into another center where you're guessing and you're not really sure what some of those different things are. You know, now you're just going to shoot from the hip and it's not a, it's not a super free mindset to, to be in. I think you have to look at, are your current patients satisfied and are your current employees satisfied? Because if they're not satisfied, it's going to be doubly hard when you go to open up a second center. Now I have to figure out how to, how do I make this new group of people happy when I've not even made this group of people happy yet. So make sure that they're, that you truly have good, good uh, employee satisfaction and great patient satisfaction so that you can sustain that going into the next, to the next level. And then and I believe you got another thing on the table, uh, investigating that analytics too. We do. Yep. Is yep. future facing being able to provide a doctor. This is how your employees feel. And this is how your yes. patients feel, right? Quantify. Exactly. So Objective data. That's going to tell you whether or not that you, that the perceptions that you might hold are real or not. Cause we, we all have subjective perceptions of what we think. But when we actually measure that, is it truly holding up? And then I would, I think the other thing I would say is, you know, making sure that the standards that were set forward for you are being hit on, you know, whether it's the branding, whether it's the compliance to the simple day-to-day stuff, because I, I can't thin it up. We, we want to multiply our money. But we also have to remember that sometimes we're going to multiply our problems. And so we have to make sure that we have a grip on what those problems are so that when we go to expand, we're not multiplying those as well. That's a good point. Because what I've seen, just expanding my own group of clinics uh, years ago, is if I was 10% off the system on the first clinic, the second one automatically is at 20% off system because I'm not <laughs> there. If I was yeah. 5% off, it may be 10% on the second one. But if you got 30% gap on your systems on your first one, you're going to be 40 or 50 and you're going to have a hard time holding it together. So good point, because the main office is going to be training the others, although corporate helps out, the main office trains others. So if you're trying to build an enterprise, be true to your system on, on the, the first one, like in an obsessive way, <laughs> to the point that it is overwhelmingly master on systems. And what, what you brought up a couple other points that I think is worthy for doctors to hear when they're in the seat of, I want to open uh, multiple clinics is you feel real confident on the operations. You got top line revenue, you feel good. You, you're maybe a little cocky. Maybe you don't have that humility left because you're driving a lot of bottom, you know, bottom line money is at the same time you're mastering systems. Like you're saying, you have to pick up finances, just start the road as soon as possible. Like Eric's saying, whether it's a conversation with the corporate team at Align Life, whether it's financial document for dummies, whether it's YouTube, like gain awareness around it. And the second one, the other one's leadership. You know, you and I can list our top 
five leadership books for people so they understand. Um, Multipliers was one of my favorites, understanding the way I lead as a, as a human and expose a lot of my gaps so I could be self-aware around them. But I think the journey is just take ownership of those two things, the finance and the leadership, because that has to mature to be able to hold this organization. Uh, what's your yeah. thoughts on that? And what would be your top book if you had to? Yeah, I, I would say, boy, anything with Adam Grant is just killer when it comes to leadership styles and and skills. And and, uh, and I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek because I think he's always super future focused. He's always thinking about the, and it's always about the people. It's, you know, you can be successful, you can do it in a, in a, a tyrannical way and make money, but it's not long lasting. You know, that's the problem is that that stuff always is kind of a short lived mindset where Sinek is always more about the long game. Like what is it on you know, the infinite game is his most recent book. And it really is looking back at the companies who have been successful long-term and some of those companies that were, that were around forever who have really kind of fallen off. It's because their mindset is different than what they originally had it set on. Their mindset wasn't, it really became more about fixing the here and now, fixing the here and now, fixing the here and now. And so it wasn't ever really future focused. And so when you really start to gain solid leadership skills, it's always future focused. You're always looking at, I know that I have to leverage the talent that I have so that this company can be successful. And when this company is successful, then I'm successful. So it's about the, it's the order in which things happen. It's not about me being successful first and foremost, right? It's about that. It's that pattern that gets, I got to get my people to be in a place where they're successful so that this company can be successful. Then I'm going to be successful. And so I love that kind of thought process because it gets to the root. I have to, I have to, I have to be a relational with my people to drive and motivate them to get the most out of them so that I can be successful. That's a whole different mindset than just starting with, I want to be successful. Okay, great. Let's unwind that a little bit and see what is it going to take to make you successful? You know, like you said, we, we can list our top five books. We can kind of even list what we think makes them someone successful because that's, that's also a subjective thing to talk about. And, but what I've noticed in chiropractic is that successful docs are, they feel free. You know, they, they, they have a, there's a sense of freedom to them that they're, they're more, they're just more joy filled. Like I just, I see it so much. And when you start to really kind of dial into that a little bit to find out like what, why are you the way that you are? There's a, there's a different mindset that's happened. They haven't been so laser focused on top line revenue and they got buried in that. They, they're more focused about mission. They're more focused about the whole and other people being successful and all those other things. And all of a sudden, oh, wow, the fruit of that labor is that I'm successful now. You know, and so when I think it, when it comes, when I think about leadership skills, that's often what people will ask me. A lot of times when I get speaking opportunities, they'll ask me like, what do you believe it takes to be a strong leader? You know, and, and I think that you got to be relational. Relational first and foremost is what makes somebody a strong leader. I think having, um, you know, there's, there's sort of the uh, tactical parts, like going to be a good planner. You know, you have to be organized. You have to uh, be a good delegator and those sorts of things. But when you start to talk about the strongest leaders we know, the strongest leaders we know are relational. They're good communicators. They, you know, they just have that ability to interact in such ways that, that draws to them. You know, we, when we name 
our favorite leaders, we're not naming them because they were billionaires. We're naming them because there was something about them as a person that draws us to them. Yeah, that that's amazing. It's great great awareness for us as you as you speak. I'm challenging my leadership in the different perspectives that you brought up. You know, it, it is there's also accountability. Uh, good leaders have accountability. They're, they're trustworthy because you know they're going to back, be behind the words coming out of their mouth. So you have a sense of peace around a good leader. So you always have to be yeah. cautious of what you're saying as entrepreneurs, as as CEOs, as visionaries. We got to make sure that the words out of our mouth can be backed with uh, accountability. And that's... Yeah. Uh, and, and accountability also means we're not always going to nail it, right? So it's okay. It's okay to be wrong. And it's okay to, you know, when when we miss, it's okay to circle back around and be like, dude, you know what? I screwed up. You know, that doesn't make us weak. You know, that makes us strong. Yeah, that's, that's huge. It's a huge lesson for young leaders is that humility of... Uh, owning the gap, explaining the lesson learned and getting back, directing the ship in the direction, not ignoring the conflict, not being a victim of the conflict and handing the blame to everyone around you. But I like what you just said. It's a position of power to, to say that you made a bad decision or you didn't understand or, or whatever it may be. The humility around that to me has helped me in leadership because I have a very high confidence and conviction. I'm very high on the dominant scale, but I have to balance out the humility in order to keep my leadership to say, Hey, you know, if you don't with that type of strength of conviction, yeah, you end up losing um, the leadership capabilities. So moving forward, Eric, I, I really appreciate this conversation. I think I want to have us dive deeper for the audience to teach them and help them open their awareness about the two gaps, which is financials and leadership. So maybe we can start breaking some of these down because I know I saw your list of some of the framework around uh, the detail, the granular data that you bring to the table on operations as a finite um, components they need to master. You also broke down leadership and you gave some finite components, a granular level about, about that as well. So both leadership and finances that I think, as you mentioned, are glaring gaps for this maturing profession. So those are my thoughts. Uh, any, any final thoughts on your end? Yeah, I, I would love, I, I certainly would love to be able to be a part of that process. And, and what does it look like to kind of dig into that at a deeper level? I think, uh, you know, each one of those things that I mentioned is could be an hour, you know, it's just, it's because you could really get deep into those things. I, I think that the thing I would remind anybody that's listening to this as well, is that the beauty of what I've walked into in a line life, you know, five months ago is this system that works, you know, and a brand that's strong. And so there is no need to recreate the wheel. We've got internal sources that can help us mature along the way, you know? And so I would encourage anybody that's, whether you're currently in a line life thought that's listening to this and, you, and you're and you looking for additional help, coaching, uh, guidance or whatever, it exists. We have, we have a resource for that, you know? And uh, if you're somebody on the outside of this and you're trying to figure out like, man, I wanna be able to do some of these things and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just not really sure where to go. That, we're here for that too, you know? We're, we're here as a system that is proven to work, that has a lot of great resourcing, has matured tremendously in the last 12 months, just by the resourcing that you guys, you know, Joe, as you, you as a CEO 
um, and your ownership has, has committed to this next level and to scale. And so you've brought in some really, really smart people in some different positions that's helping us to, to get to that next level. So I think that reach out, you know, we're, we're happy to help. And I appreciate you giving that opportunity for those uh, both in Align Life and outside to have just a meaningful conversation. Eric's contact information will be in the show notes. So if you want to reach out directly to Eric, and although I usually do this in the beginning, we got right in the conversation. What I love about Eric, an opportunity to talk to Eric is he comes from outside the profession as an executive in the hospital systems in, in conventional healthcare, also has a long history in one of the fastest scaling businesses, uh, Walgreens has a, a, a lot of experience in the leadership roles of a, a very fast scaling organization. So I think it'd be a refreshing conversation with someone that has the viewpoint of the chiropractic profession now on our team, but also has a lot of scar tissue and insight on business as, a, as an entity, not just solely focused on one industry. So uh, it'd be an exciting conversation for those to have with you. So thanks again, Eric, and looking forward to uh, us breaking down more of these, uh, these points of discussion in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This episode was brought to you by Align Life Chiropractic and Natural Health Centers. If you're interested in creating your dream practice or want to know more about Align Life, go to alignlifepodcast.com.